Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue down a series of looking at some inward things. You know that since we were little, we developed coping mechanisms. You know, some of us came out of whatever normal is, somewhat of a normal home. You know, maybe some of us had both parents. Maybe some of us went to church. That doesn't mean that it was a a good time. Some of us have lost parents. Some of us have gone through divorce several times. Some of us had abuse in our childhoods, whether it's sexual, physical, verbal, emotional, a lot of abandonment, a lot of rejection. And when we were young, we started to develop ways to cope. You know, from my earliest memories, I was a thief. I remember walking into the Big M, which was a local grocery store in a little town of Morseville, New York. And I asked my mom if I could have a chocolate bar, and she said no, so I just put it in my pocket. (laughs) And then when I got outside and started to try to eat it, she's like, where'd you get that? And I'm like, well, I got it in there. Silly. And she marched me back inside, and you know I had to confess what I did, and and I learned at a very young age that mom could not be trusted, <laughs> and this set me on a life of crime as a young boy. I remember going into just about any store I had ever go into, from my youngest memories that I would walk out with something. I don't think that there was really a time through elementary school, junior high, and high school, and even into my 20s, that I would walk into a store and not shoplift something. And at one point, I started to try to deal with that stuff, and I would have to put my hands in my pockets because I knew if my hands were out, I would just start picking stuff up. It got so crazy that I would shoplift stuff in front of the cashier on the counter right there because it's all, you know, hand tricks. You know, I would take rings at the mall. Like, it was just like, it was my way of, you know, I grew up poor, I deserve this. And I would justify my actions. You know, I remember as a young kid, I got busted with lying about something and got my butt beat. And I decided that I shouldn't lie. And somewhere in the midst of that, I was all right with stealing, but I was not okay with lying. You know, and for whatever reason, you know, I tried to be an honest person, even though you couldn't trust me with material things. You know, and I justified these things. You know, as a young kid, I cried a lot. You know, my anger would overcome me and, and I would burst into tears. And I would be so furious and so angry and so emotional that I couldn't turn it off. You know, as I, I grew up as a young man, you know, it's, it's not cool to cry. You know, and that anger would come out in other ways. You know, I was very destructive and, you know, and very angry, you know. And, you know, we became, you know, we begin to, to learn different coping mechanisms to be able to deal with things. You know, we turn to drugs and alcohol and sex and porn and material things and, you know, I have to have the, the nicest 
pair of shoes or the nicest jeans and the nicest clothes when we're going through high school so we fit in. And some of us couldn't afford those things or we would steal them. And some of us couldn't afford those things and we would get picked on and we would quit school. You know, and we would turn to, you know, a variety of different things to cope. You know, and as we grew up as adults, a lot of these things were still present. Some of us sitting here today still struggle with some of the stuff that we were doing when we were little kids. Because it's still useful. We still are able to get something out of this. One of the hardest things for someone to, to break free from is, is being a deceiver or being a liar. You know, when someone has been lying their whole entire lives, it's very hard for them to let go of that coping mechanism because there's so much fear and there's so many things, so many twisted webs that they've weaved throughout the years that it's hard to let go. Some of us that have struggled with anger, you know, it just happens. Like we can go from zero to 100 instantaneously. I used to say that I didn't have a fuse, I had a detonation button. You know, I could explode at any second. If you said something I didn't like, boom, I would burst into anger. You know, and I had no idea how to turn it off. There'd be times that I'd be angry for days, if not weeks. And by the time I started to calm down, I wouldn't even remember what really set me off in the first place. You know, that we have these false systems. You know, these lies in our minds. That it's really the doorways that the enemy continues to walk through. It's almost like he's a puppet master. He, he gets, he pokes the button or he leads us in a way. And the next thing you know, we're doing things that we don't even want to do. You know, we're saying things that we regret that we have said. You know, and, you know, there's lots of times that we tell ourselves over and over again, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And then we find ourselves doing the very thing that we're trying to stay away from or trying to resist. Because on some level, the emotion that's going on the inside of us peaks. And we don't want to let people into that because, you know, our pride or our ego or what are they going to think? What are they going to say? We don't like to be controlled. We don't like people to think that we're less than. You know, and we continue to stumble into some of the same areas. You know, and we've developed these behaviors because they protect us on some level. You know, I remember many, many years ago as I really started to deal with the anger and the fear and what was going on is that there's a broken little kid inside of this, this man. You know, and it's like, who wants to admit that, that I'm just a scared little boy? But until I realize that if I don't get back to the roots of why I do what I do, I'm going to keep doing these things and keep saying I don't know why, this is just who I am. But if Jesus is the real solution, and he's the one that's coming in and, and transforming my heart, that my heart is being regenerated. I have a brand new heart. I'm born again, right? That on some level, I can't keep doing the same things over and over again because there's a fight that's going on. For one minute, I could be doing the thing that I say that I don't want to do it anymore, and I press into Jesus, and I get saved, and I get born again, and I'm on the other side, and I'm going to reach for that same thing 
There's something new that's starting to take place. There's a whole new level of conviction that's starting to rise up in us. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I will resist that temptation until I grow more with Jesus. You know, that he wants to continue to guide us down this path so that we're able to overcome. You know, but a lot of times we don't want to face the truth. It's hard to look ourselves in the mirror sometimes and be honest with ourselves that I'm in trouble. I need help. I can't stop. I'm hurting. I'm angry. I'm scared. You know, it's hard getting honest with ourselves. It's hard getting honest with ourselves with someone else. It's hard getting honest with ourselves with God. Because everything that we've been taught is to suppress. Push down. Don't talk about that. You know, as a young boy, I was told all the time, quit your belly aching or I'll give you something to cry about. Right? And that you're already hurting and you're going to get smacked for showing that you got pain. And you're like trying to not sniffle and you're sniffling and you know, you're afraid that you're going to get beat some more. <clears throat> and you're like, you can't stop. You know, that some of us still have these broken areas on the inside of us that we're just broken little kids with adult privileges. You know, somebody said at age 18 that you could do this, and age 16 you could do that, and age 21 you could do that. You know, and you know we've been getting older and older, and we're just broken little kids that found new and, and more fun things to do to cope with our pain. You know, and as we really try to get right with the Lord, there's a collision because God's ways are not our ways. You know, and he teaches us how to live, and it seems like it completely contradicts everything that we want to do. You know, that Jesus has taken our fun away, right? But in reality, he's taken the things away from us that cause pain. You know, he's guiding us with his scripture on how to, to handle life situations differently. You know, He's teaching us how to work through our anxiety and, and pray through our depression and what do we do with anger and how do we deal with offense. Because normally we just explode and run away, right? It's completely acceptable. And for a long time, these coping mechanisms have worked and some of us it's worked really well. And on some level, it's still working. Otherwise, we still wouldn't be doing it. But in the end of the day, as we try to press in with Jesus, we, we have this conflict that goes on. It's because we know how horrible we really are. There's no one that knows how much of a sinner I am except me and Jesus. So when I step to him, if I have this idea that I have to behave myself before I can be in God's presence, I have all this stuff I need to do. And the perfectionism starts to creep in and I got all these checks and balances and I didn't read and I got to pray and I got to worship and I got to do this and I got to do this. And, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, 
Now I'm just adding to the pile of stuff that makes me anxious. Or I really realize that the blood of Jesus has paid the price. And then I'm able to step into God's presence and it's as I focus on God, as I press into God, as I'm worshiping God, as I'm praying to God, as I'm learning about God, as I'm in Scripture, things begin to fall away. You know, some of us really struggle with control and perfectionism. And it it drives us insane as we're trying to get closer to Jesus. Because we talk ourselves out of it. And we have to really look at what's going on in our minds of these lies and, and false belief systems and begin to bring truth in it, to bring accountability into it, to bring the darkness into the light. Because otherwise, we just continue to live this confused and clouded life. (coughs) And we continue to use our old coping mechanisms or our childhood methods to be able to get through life. But on some level, it's not working anymore. Or it hasn't been working, and it continues to cause pain. You know... Being someone that's been in recovery for a long time, you know, most of us, you know, realize that what we've been doing isn't working. But it's hard to say no. Or we tell ourselves no at one moment, but then when we get emotionally spiked, it's hard to say no in that, in that, set, that mindset. You know, I don't think any of us want to keep doing some of the things that we keep doing. You know, I don't think that we get saved on a good day. I don't think that we get sober or pure or work on whatever it is that we're working on when everything's going well. I think that when things start to get out of control is when we really reach out for help. We reach for a human hand sometimes or we reach out for God's help sometimes. You know... But if you're anything like me, you're impatient and you want it now. Well, I've decided to change. Poof. Let's do this, God. And it doesn't always work that way. You know, he, he takes us through different situations to break off old coping mechanisms. You know, and, and a lot of the times that one of the main things that we use is denial. I don't have a problem. It's not that big of a deal. I got a handle of this. I could stop anytime I want. You know, and we stay stuck in certain areas because we don't want to look at how deeply we're affected by certain things. You know, and we minimize. But a lot of us have been through several broken relationships and some of us have seen our parents go through broken relationships and we followed suit. And some of us have broken relationships with our parents because things have just not gone the way that we'd hoped or the way they'd hoped. And sin has a way of destroying a person and a family and generations. You know, and yet sometimes we keep doing the things that we were taught to do and we don't know how to change them. And it's only when we come into a relationship with Jesus and really press in and get into our word that our mind begins to be renewed. When I first got saved, 
I didn't care what people did sexually. You want to do that? Have a blast. Leave me alone. I didn't care if a woman had an abortion. It didn't affect me none so bit. I'm not having the abortion. That's on her. You know, I had this idea that I can do whatever I want to do. You can do whatever you want to do. But as I grew with Jesus and I got into the Word and I started to see how sin affects us, it changed my mind on the way that I think about things. You know, and it started to renew the way I think and it began to change the way that I act. You know, I honestly would think that it would be pretty interesting if we could have like an Ebenezer Scrooge moment and I could go back with a ghost of Christmas past and creep in on Tom Gilbert like 15 years ago and I used to say some really dumb things. My belief system was all jacked up. And I was real verbal about everything I thought I believed. And I would go back and I'd be like, you are so stupid, shut up. Oh my goodness, stop talking. But I thought I was so brilliant. And everybody needed to hear what I had to say. (laughs) It's funny how God begins to change the way we live, change the way we think, on more levels than we thought. You know, I got here 15 years ago just because I wanted to stop using drugs and alcohol. It had nothing about, nothing to do with really Jesus. I was trying to get Jesus to do what I wanted him to do. And it doesn't work that way. And when Jesus didn't do what I wanted to do, I said, well, I'll believe in you, but I'm going to go take care of business because you're moving too slow. I opened myself back up to sin and felt the consequences of that that lifestyle. You know, when I I showed up in 2006, it's funny how pain has a way of breaking us out of denial, right? You know, there's a lot of times that we're kind of ready, we're sort of ready. There's another time when we're really tired. You know, as I look at my life, People tried to get me into rehab. Probation tried to make me do it. The court system tried to get me there. Going in and out of jail, just trying to reform me on some level. Going into rehab on my own, trying to get out of consequences. There's always like this manipulative thing that I was still doing. You know, and it literally took over 10 years for me to finally get to a place that I was so sick and tired of living the way that I was living that I was willing to try something new. You know, and I think that it's important that we really get honest and stop denying that we're more broken than we let the, the people around us really get to see. And it be okay that we're not okay. You know, I've seen many a situation now that I've been around the church for a while is that you see people in their cars and they're walking through the parking lot and they're fighting with their spouses or they're fighting with their kids. And the second they hit that door, Hi, how are you? Praise God, good to see you. It's a great day. And it's like, 
two seconds ago, you're ready to murder that person. But you got to put on the face when you get to church. Everything's good. But what if we could really create a culture that that it's okay to be your real self? And to be honest, when I got here, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know who Tom was. I've spent so many years trying to bury him that letting him heal took some time and some peeling of some things to get to the real issues. You know, if you would have told 25-year-old Tom that he was really a scared little boy on the inside, I would have said a lot of profane things and yelled at you and screamed at you and showed you how tough I was. Because who wants to be scared? That's weak, right? Who wants to ask for help? That's weak, right? But I've learned that one of the the strongest things a man can do is really ask for help. Because I can't do very many things on my own. And when I ask somebody to help, that two are better than one. Three are better than two, four are better than three, and so on. Biblically, it says that if a man tries to to change on his own, he'll fall. But two can stand back to back and defeat the enemy. But three, interwoven like a cord, can be strong. And what if we really started to, to lock arms with our brothers and sisters and say, you know, this is who I really am. This is who I, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. You know, and we stop trying to, to act like we're okay. You know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, looking for attention or, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to get sympathy because sometimes that's what we hear in our head. You know, I don't want to cause anybody problems. Well, true, I get that. But yeah, that's what we're here for, right? If we stop denying what's really going on and said, I don't know what to do with this. You know, will you at least pray for me? Because we all hate hearing that we have to change. Absolutely hate it. Somebody tells us what we need to do. That's probably the last thing we're going to do. You know, and we're going to do it our way for a little bit longer just to prove that I don't need your help. And what ends up happening is I cause more problems and more damage. You know, I, it's funny how there's so many things that I do now that are just, you know, programmed into my mind that I refused to do when I was younger. You know, that the more we deny what's really going on in the inside, it opens a door for shame. You know, we've been convicted of some of the stuff. We've tried to change some of the stuff. God's already talked to us about some of these stuff. But because we don't want to do it his way or ask somebody to help us, that we create the problem that just keeps spinning out of control. And then our pride gets in the way of us asking for help. And then that condemnation comes crashing down and we keep doing the things that we don't want to do. 
and we cry out to Jesus and we say, we, you know, forgive me and I don't want to do this anymore. But because we're not doing it his way, we're still trying to do it our way, but we're trying to get him to give us this moment in time where we are free. Yet we still don't want to do it the way he's asking us to do it. We keep going around and around and around. And then we think that God gave up on us. I know I'm not the only one that's thought that God gave up on me in this process of walking with Jesus. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and you didn't answer my prayer, then obviously you're mad at me. Or obviously you're not really up there. Or obviously you don't really love me because you didn't give me what I want. We have this false idea of what love really looks like. God will tell us no probably 99% more than he tells us yes. But when he says yes, it's amazing. You know, and sometimes those no's are very loving. But if you're anything like me, I don't like no. I just want to do what I want to do. You tell me no, I'm going to do it twice just to prove that I can do it. But what does that do? It just creates this bigger, bigger problem that's going on inside of me creates more shame, the pride raises up, my ego gets involved, I don't want to listen, I deny the fact that I'm really struggling, I'm doing good. How many times have we tried to change our current situation and made it worse? I know I'm not the only one. And if I don't tell anybody, it's just going to go away doesn't go away. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm all right. You know, we all have these defense. What if we actually went around and someone said, hey, how are you? I'm doing horrible. <laughs> They'd be like, uh, okay, I'm just going to keep walking. We're so programmed to say that I'm fine. And we don't really want to engage somebody and really find out what's really going on. It's just the polite way of saying hi. Hey, how are you? I'm doing awful. Thanks for asking. <laughs> My life is about to fall apart. Things are horrible. You want to learn more? No, nope. got to go. I'm busy. Thanks. <laughs> and obviously, we don't want just anybody in our business. You know what I mean? But we should have somebody that we're beginning to talk to and letting them know what's really, really going on on the inside of the craziness that goes on between our ears. What's making us angry? What's making us scared? What's you know, causing our insecurities? What's making us think that I need to run away? What's, what's really going on between me and Jesus that I think that he's not there? No matter how many times people tell me that he's there and he loves me, I just won't accept it. He can love you, but you don't really realize how bad I am. You know, and, you know, there's a verse in Jeremiah and it's in a weird translation. But I love what it says and it's always stuck with me through the years is that you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. And so often we just try to keep it moving. 
But I think that, that Jesus wants to get into the, the nitty-gritty. He wants to get into the inner workings of the way we think and the way we live and, and set the captive really free. You know, probably all of us have said a sinner's prayer on some level at some point. Technically, it's not biblical. But yeah, I think that it's important. But what we really have to learn is to deny ourselves and follow him. But to truly follow him means that we have to let go of all the baggage that's, that's holding us back. And sometimes it's hard to do that because some of us got a lot of baggage. I, I know that I had you know, a lot of stuff that I was dragging behind me that I just never dealt with. And I come crashing into Jesus, and he's like, hey, let's look at some of this stuff. And I'm like, la, 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 I can't hear you. But it's like the more I press into Jesus, he's like shining a magnifying glass on everything that's going on inside, and it's scary. If I really let you in, what's going to happen? Because we've spent a lot of time shoving stuff in that place, that denial closet, or, you know, stuffing it down. And if I open the door to that thing and stuff starts seeping out, and I'm not sure if I can stop all the stuff that's avalanching out. You know, and I'm barely hanging on as it is. You know, that I think that it's first important that we start talking to God about what's really going on in our hearts. Sometimes we're not ready to talk to a human, and that's okay. Can I say that, that it's okay? It's okay. Talking to humans sometimes is, is really damaging if you're talking to the wrong one. And some of us have been hurt by people that we thought we could trust. Right? And it's made it hard for us to trust anybody, especially with the junk that's on the inside. But what if we were to really start getting real with Jesus? Because he already knows all that stuff anyway. Can I just let you in on a little secret? There's nothing that's going on in your heart or your mind or your entire life, anything that you've ever been through, that he doesn't already know. So it's not like you're, you're surprising him. You're like, hey, guess what? I was really angry yesterday. Wow, I didn't know that. Everything that we think and feel, everything that we've been through, he knows. So what if we were to really just start talking to him about it? What if we started in the privacy of our bedrooms, in the privacy of our cars, the bathroom, wherever it is, go for a walk, and you really started to get real with Jesus on the stuff that's really going on in your heart, rather than saying, Jesus, give me what I want, amen. What if we really were to start to say, I'm angry right now, and I hate my life. I don't like the way you've been doing stuff. I think you should get fired as God. Just let you know. You're messing up my life. You're doing a horrible job. I thought you were had like this whole thing under control. But it seems like my life is out of control and it's your fault. Oh wait, we're not supposed to say that, right? Praise God. What if we were to really get honest with what's going on inside of us and really dumping it at his feet whether you're scared, you're angry, you're confused, you're carrying around these deep resentments, you've been through some difficult stuff, you've gone through some abuse, you've got some abandonment issues, you've got some rejection, 
What if you were to really start putting that stuff down at his feet and saying, we got we to gotta hash this out because I'm tired of carrying it. And then through that, you start asking him, who's safe to talk to about this? And you start letting the Holy Spirit guide you to somebody that might tell you the truth and piss you off. I'll just let you know. But maybe that is done in love. And we're so used to people just telling us what we want to hear because we gravitate to those people versus the people that tell us the truth. What if we were to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us to somebody that would love us enough to tell us the truth and also give us grace on our bad days? Maybe we don't know that person yet, and that's okay. But what if we really tried to make this group that way? What if each one of us was working on that area in our life that we could come through that door and say, I'm not all right. I lost my job. I'm about to lose my marriage. You know, I I keep struggling in this area. You know, and it doesn't mean like when you walk to the door, you're telling everybody, but like in small group, when we break into small group, that we're actually getting real about what we're really going through. That we start getting transparent and we start acting like... I want to be here for to change. And that doesn't mean that we're not doing that. But I'm just trying to, to set the stage that what if we were to really dig deep and we did it in the privacy of our homes first and we started asking Jesus into those difficult places and we started asking him to lead us to places in his word to, to Help us to find truth, to combat the lie and the false belief system and the brokenness. And what if we were to ask him to start healing some of the areas in our past that have brought trauma, brought pain? What if we were to really start asking him to help us to forgive the people that we don't want to forgive because we are just that mad? That I would go to my deathbed hating this person and, and feel justified. But what if I was to really say, Jesus, I don't want to carry this, this anger and this bitterness on the inside anymore. I want to know what your grace feels like in this area because it's killing me from the inside out. What if we were to get right with God in that sense and stop pretending that we're acting okay and we're you know, getting away from the sins that everybody can see. So we have this behavioral modification, at least in public, but yet in private, I'm living a completely different way. What if we were to collide my two selves and get right with God first so that when I start to walk in this life that I could just be me, but yet not know who that is yet. And let him take me on this adventure to discover who the the person God created me to be is. Because he did not create me to be this person that's walking around with all this pain, that's got all this anger, that's got all this fear, that's got all this insecurity that keeps going around in circles with sin, that I'm not achieving anything and I feel like I'm overwhelmed all the time and like, why don't we just give up and just kill ourselves? No, wait, I'm not supposed to say that. But sometimes that's the way we feel. Like, what's the point? I have no hope. Because we're putting hope in the wrong hands. And we have to learn how to give that stuff to Jesus and say, I don't know how you're going to do this. I'm a mess.
You know, we throw these scriptures around. You have a purpose and a plan for my life. And it's good. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Works everything together for good according to his purposes. Yay, amen. What if we were to get real with Jesus and be like, I hate my life right now. I can't stop doing the thing that I don't want to do. And I don't know what to do and I'm scared to tell anybody. What if we started fighting this in prayer in the privacy of our homes and the privacy of our cars and going for walks and really saying, you know what, something's got to change and I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to talk to you until it does. And we really start to fight in prayer by talking to him over and over and over again and saying, I want to change and I don't know how, but everybody tells me you're the one that's going to do it. And we really start believing that Jesus is going to intersect our lives at these moments and begin to bring change because his mercy is so beautiful and it comes every morning and his grace is sufficient. He loves us no matter what, that there's nothing that gets in the way of his love. What if we were to really begin to put that on the chopping block and say, let's prove it. And what if we pressed into him and said, I don't feel loved by you, but I believe in you. And I don't know how to make that change, so you got to do something in me. I don't understand my circumstances. I don't see how there's a way out right now. But I'm going to press into you until you guide me out of this pain. You guide me out of this, this craziness that is my life because I hate it. If I could run away right now, I would, but I don't know where to go, and I know that I'd just take myself with me and recreate all this crap all over again. What if we were to really get real in prayer first and really ask the Lord to guide us to somebody that we could get real with? Something Jesus put on my heart a long time ago was who's your three Jesus always went everywhere with three people they're always with him yes there's the twelve disciples but there was three people that were always with Jesus anytime that you see that Jesus got away he, there was three people around him. but let's start with who's your one can't get to three until we got one. Some of us don't even have one person. And you know what? It's okay. Can I, can I say that it's okay? Because for the majority of my life, I didn't have a one person. I was alone. I was scared. I was angry. I ran from everything. but I reached a place that I knew that I couldn't live the way that I was living and something had to change. And after another relapse, I went back to an AA meeting, ran into this girl that was telling me about a meeting in her church and I should come and she was cute, so I said, okay. And here I am. If you would have told me that that was going to work, I'd probably say that's never going to work. But Jesus has a funny way of doing stuff. It's never the way we think it's going to work. You know, and lo and behold, he gave me a friend that 
I would have never picked. I would have never picked Pastor Rick to be my friend. He didn't grow up the way I grew up. He didn't have sex before he got married, never smoked a cigarette, never drank a beer, never done a drug. Basically, he's the type of kid I would have picked on my entire life. And yet, he became one of my best friends. We don't know who that friend might be. But there's times that Pastor Rick told me truth, and I was so angry. And I'm like, I'm not talking to that guy again. And I'm grateful for a friend that would tell me truth. And I'm grateful for a friend that would let me cry on his shoulder. I'm grateful for a friend who would reach out to me and say, how you're doing? And, and I would say, I'm not doing good. Well, why don't you come over to my house later and we'd have little fires in his backyard and talk about all the things that I hated. As I was learning about Jesus, he led me to a man that represented him pretty well. Who's your one? And then through that one, we grow into three. But sometimes we just got to start with letting one person in. And before we get to that one person, some of us just need to let Jesus in. We go to church, we believe, we pray, we read, but I'm not right with Jesus. I know it. So why don't we really just get right with Jesus first before we try to change anything? And can I tell you, it's simple. It's not about behavior. It can happen right now. It's saying, Jesus, I'm tired of doing it my way. Let's do it your way now. And really start talking to him. Now you might, and very well, might do the same thing that brought you here. Okay, guess what? We don't have salvation through my behavior or yours. We have salvation through the blood of Jesus that paid for our sins. And he knew that we were going to commit them long before we were alive, let alone that he knows that the sins that we're going to commit in the rest of our life. He's already paid for that stuff. Now, that doesn't just give us license to do whatever we want, but it does mean that I need to press into him and figure out how that stuff works. That he's supposed to be setting me free. Those who are set free are free indeed. How many of us really feel free? Well, I go to church. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven one day. But yet, I'm still carrying all these chains. Isn't he the chain breaker? Isn't there sins that I'm still tripping over? When we read Scripture, are our lives really representing that? Or does it just seem like a fairy tale, what the world would tell us it is? But yeah, I got my going to heaven box checked, so it doesn't matter. Wait a minute, no. What if I was to really live with an inheritance on this side of heaven 
and live with an authority on this side of heaven, live with a freedom on this side of heaven. But it really needs to start with the only one that can do that. And that's me getting right with Jesus. That means me getting honest with Jesus. That means me being transparent with Jesus and saying, I need help. I can't do this anymore. What if we just started there? And we'll figure out all the doctrine and theology as we go. Well, if maybe if I read my Bible more, maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to behave more. Has that ever worked for any of us? Are we good at behaving? Any of us good at behaving? No, I've never been good at behaving. But something about pressing into Jesus, that stuff just melts away. And I don't have a desire to do those things anymore. It's not like I'm trying to resist it. It's because he's consumed me in such a way that I want more of him. And yet I still have more junk to work on. What if it was okay to realize that we still got more to work on? And we start, stopped and made it about the starting pistol because that's what salvation really is to me is that I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. That means for the rest of my life, I'm working on my Christ-likeness, right? I'm working on sanctification. I'm working on changing. That's all it means. I think we all have some more changing to do, right? And let's say that this is the time. Because I don't want to continue doing the stuff I don't want to do. How about you? It doesn't feel good, does it? It doesn't. And we all have something. Every single Christian, every single person on the planet's got something. We don't need, technically we don't need the Holy Spirit to tell us how bad we are, because we already know. But the funny thing about the Holy Spirit, he comes in and he tells us how much he loves us in the midst of spanking us at the same time. There's nothing like that. That I feel more loved when I'm convicted than I do just doing what I want to do. It's funny how truth has this way of cutting through the marrow and the bone, getting in there like a double-edged sword, and it hurts, but yet feels so good. Guys, I want to change so much. In every effort in my own strength, I fall short. And I have victory in a handful of areas, but I don't have victory in all of my areas. And I am so desperate to say, Jesus, come on, let's do this. I don't want to continue to struggle in these areas. And it doesn't mean that I won't struggle, but as long as I continue to do it my way, there's no hope. But when I start to do it his way, when I start to labor in prayer and saying, this has to change, because we've all fought in prayer for some of the stuff that we have freedom from already, right? Can we be in agreement? We have fought in prayer saying this needs to change. But then we got through that change and then we stopped. Thinking that that was good enough. And there's a new thing that's come on. And it's a new thing that we're carrying. That our yoke does not feel easy. Our burden does not feel light. Because we're still trying to do it our way. And it's time, I know it's time for me, because he keeps messing with me. That I have to surrender again and again and again. 
This year is going to be a lot of these types of messages. I'll just let you know. So buckle up. I believe that we have to get to a mindset that I need to be in repentance before I can get Jesus. You know, I need Jesus. And I believe that he comes and brings that refreshing, that he brings that peace, but he only does that when I press into him in the way that he's asking me to do it. If I'm trying to get him to do what I want him to do, it just feels like confusion in a fight, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm just running on a treadmill. Praying the will of Tom in Jesus' name. Amen. Like, I'm guilty. I don't want to do it anymore. And I'll do it again. I think that we got to get real. I think we got to get real in our prayer life. I'm just going to shoot this out there. I don't think any of us probably pray enough. I'm guilty. If Jesus is the one that I love more than anything, but yet I spend more time doing other things, it contradicts itself. I'm just telling on myself. You know, I need to press into Jesus this year and say, Jesus, it's time to change some things. And I can't keep doing it my way. It's not working. You guys follow me? Lord, will you just be with us tonight, Lord? I pray that, that no one leaves here ashamed, that no one leaves here hopeless, that no one leaves here afraid, that everyone feels like they can be who you're asking them to be in this place, Lord. I pray that no one feels judgment. I come against any lie of the enemy that's making them feel uncomfortable. I pray that you would minister to each and every one of us in this place, Lord. That we would realize that your love is is trying to break through our walls. You're trying to break through all the pain. You're trying to get into the center of who we are. Lord, I, I pray that we would be willing to let you, Lord, and Sometimes we don't even know how to do that. We've, we've kept such a close, tight grip on some of that painful stuff from our past, Lord, that we don't even know how to let go of it, Lord. We need you to teach us. But I pray, Lord, that we would want to desire you, that we would press into you, Lord, that we would spend more time in prayer, that we would spend more time in our word. But it's not this religious duty that we just want to figure out who you are, that we want to fall in love with you. And we don't quite understand that, that we're missing something, Lord. I pray that you would meet us in this place and that you would begin to show us the way out because we can't keep doing it our way. Help us to break through the pain. Help us to break through the fear. Help us to break through the religiousness, Lord, the, the things that continue to get in our way because we are checking boxes or we think we're okay, Lord. But yet you already talked to us about things that we don't want to change because we still like it. But Lord, help us to come to this place where we realize that what we desire more than anything is you. Help us to push through our denial. Help us to get honest with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.